0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Manero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. We have an impromptu guest. Yes. Martin Matthews from Atlanta, Georgia. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me in here, man. You got it, man. What a treat. Martin reached out to me on social, said I got some business meetings in Dallas, I want to swing by say hi to you. I said, "Well, come on in." And before we even sat down, we're in the studio doing a podcast. <laughs> That's how we roll. It. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, Martin, your partners in the in the studio with me too. Kim, welcome aboard. We don't have you, Mike, but we're happy to have you. Hopefully, you'll start to feel better too. So, Martin, welcome aboard, man. I'm, I'm happy to have you. I mean again, the podcast is solely driven. To help the audience get right on their money. Yes. And I know that you and your wife, Chelsea, you've written a book called Let's Fight About Money. You're in the money management business, yes? yes.
1: money management, uh, insurance business as well, yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit about your business so we get an understanding of, of your um, breadth of knowledge of money and all that.
1: Well, I financial education is number one. They don't teach you in school. Uh, So you have to learn somewhere. Most people learn the hard way. They call it experience. They make some financial mistakes, and they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And uh, so we think if you learn enough, you can avoid a lot of those mistakes. So what we do is help people understand six areas of your financial house. We call it unbreakable financial house, your cash flow, debt management, emergency fund, proper protection, build wealth, preserve wealth. If you do all those things right, you end up with an unbreakable financial house. If you don't learn how to do those things, you struggle all along the way and never really build anything that amounts to much. Mm. So by through education is the key, by people learning then I think they're empowered to make better decisions for themselves without having to really turn all their money over to, to somebody who's going to tell them what to do. They become empowered to, to do it.
0: But is that what you do? They turn their money over to you? Is that what you want them to do?
1: Not, not always. Uh, take, for example, somebody who likes real estate. I want them to do what they know like and trust. I'm not going to say don't do real estate, take that money and put it with me. I'm going to say, "Well, let let's, you know, learn about real estate. I will say invest in yourself first. Learn about the things you like. Maybe you want to put more of your money into your back into your business. Do yeah. that." Mm-hmm. Uh so it's not necessarily that, but there are things that we can help them to do. For example, you build a business, you may need insurance to protect your assets. You know, you build something great. So part of where I would come in is to help them do those kinds of things and say, hey, why don't we better protect your assets? Why don't we do these things in a smarter way and I'll fill them with those financial products?
0: I mean, it's a huge deal. And I'm sure you see, like I see many successful business owners who are completely underprepared yes in fact, some who have achieved wealth that they didn't even know they achieved right mm-hmm. where they you begin to run their financial statement and their 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 uh, you know uh, personal financial statement you're beginning to realize, wow you guys got more than I mean you, you're completely like I just had this conversation recently with somebody who, who said you are ridiculously underinsured mm-hmm. right I'm sure you see that all the time all the time all the time. Yeah. So take me back a little bit. I mean, you got a real swag to you. I, <laughs> I would say it. you're from New York, but I know you're not from New York, right? So where, where did you grow up? Give me the give me a little bit of background here. I'm originally from
1: Liberia in West Africa. So my swag comes from my dad. My dad used to be Secretary of State for my country. So he had this swag. He wears pocket square. And I got that. For, so this is kind of an homage. I'm wearing pocket nice. square now. So it's kind of an homage to him. And um, I grew up, Matt, in a poor African country. And every day there will be a line of people outside of my house asking to come and ask my father for money. And so I would sit there and listen to their stories. I mean, all kinds of stories that would, would come in there and tell. And so I said, I want to learn how to create wealth and end issues around poverty. Why, why are some people broke and poor? And how does somebody really go about creating wealth? And um, when I came to America, I learned that there's people who have a lot of money and people who don't have a lot of money here, just like back in Africa.
0: Did you think that, though, before you came?
1: No, I thought everybody in America had money.
0: Everybody was on gold streets.
1: <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. And then I came here, and I realized that's not the case. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I started to learn how wealthy people created their wealth that I said, you know what, I want to learn those principles, use them for myself to create my own wealth, and teach that to other people as I build my wealth along the way.
0: So why Atlanta? Where did Atlanta come in the in the mix?
1: Um, mentor of mine lives in Atlanta, and I lived in California previously. Chelsea and I, my wife Chelsea and I. Oh, lived you in.
0: did. Was that was that where you when you came to the states? That's where you made your home in California. No, I, I stayed in the cold Midwest. <laughs> you did,
1: no okay. kidding. Yeah. and uh, I, I landed in, and I went to. I finished up high school in Chicago when I first came to America.
0: Got
1: it. And then I I wanted to go somewhere warmer, so I went to California. Nice. And uh, Chelsea and I met in California and then a mentor of mine who's built a great financial business 35 plus years. He lives in Georgia. And I wanted to mimic his business. Mm. I wanted to achieve the level of success he's achieved. And so I moved there to work closely with him. Mm. So we've been expanding, doing those kinds of things in the past few years.
0: Is he still your mentor? Yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: great mentor, a great friend, very ethical person in business, great person to follow.
0: So, I mean, that's... We're covering so many different topics here, so let's let's get into it a little bit, particularly on the topic of the book, because I think it connects directly to "You Need More Money." Mm-hmm. I believe that there is an epidemic going on in the United States, maybe globally too, but my focus is the states, in which people fall into this this concept of what I call false positive. They, mm-hmm. my definition of false positive, they think they are doing better than they really are. Yeah, and. We see it so much more today than maybe a generation ago. Mm-hmm. When a generation ago, I was just talking to a friend of mine over the weekend who, who said he can remember, he was one of four boys, and he can remember twice in his entire upbringing that his family went out to dinner. Wow, Twice. Now, his father was a coach. His mother was a homemaker. So they weren't broke by any stretch. But the mindset of we will eat at home before we eat out Mm -hmm. was just commonplace. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's almost the exact opposite, right? Yeah. And so I'm sure your kids and my kids, you know, eating out is no luxury item for them. It's kind of no big deal. Yeah. And so when you start to add all the other things that go into that, getting approved for a car, maybe getting approved for a big house, and uh, the bills aren't coming on pink slips anymore. And people begin to get complacent very early in their money accumulation. Mm -hmm. And they don't create habits to stop that. They don't create habits to generate enough income to overcome that. And then time kicks in. And before you know it, you're 40 or you're 50, and you're way behind. You must see that a lot. I see it all the time
1: matter of fact yes the other day I was thinking about it and I was like man what a great title <laughs> you need more money and uh, I'm super excited about the book by thank
0: right. you man man
1: I'm super excited It's gonna really gonna help a lot of people because
0: but that, that book is derived from a from a real story of my brother-in-law though and and that that is the purpose of that book mm-hmm. uh, you know my brother-in-law died at 46 years old he left a wife and four kids with no health insurance no life insurance and a hundred bucks in the bank Wow and uh, he was, uh, you you couldn't have picked, uh, you could not have picked a worse person to leave my wife's life than her brother. And I, I've said this before, I mean, including me and mm-hmm. I think our three boys. Mm-hmm. They were so unbelievably close because they both had tough upbringings and they just stuck together thick as thieves. Mm-hmm. And for him to leave her was just devastating. Mm -hmm. And then you want to add in the fact that there was, he had nothing. Yeah. And the book talks about twofold. One, how does that happen? We explore how that happens. And then number two, the amazing gift to be in a position to go in and help. And why wouldn't you want to do it your whole life? Why why wouldn't you want to have it to a point where you could just uh, do that to more people? Exactly. And for more people. Unfortunately, the sad part is, uh, you know, he didn't make it. He died almost one year to the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, he was uninsurable. Yeah. uh, On both health insurance and life insurance. And so his family, uh, his his widow and, and four kids were left with nothing. And so I wrote a little story about it and, and ended up turning it into a book. But I appreciate your support in it, but, I mean, it's amazing to me. Every te- time I tell the story, it just gets me more invigorated mm-hmm. to get more people to care about this storyline because he was hardly alone in, that, in the way that played out.
1: That's right. You know, uh, uh, my story is very similar, and I I appreciate your honesty in sharing it with others because, you know, it's through those experiences that people learn. It can happen to it can happen to me. It can happen to someone I know. You know, my my grandfather didn't make it at forty years old. Mm. My father didn't make it at sixty years old. Gotcha. My uncle didn't make it at fifty years old. My younger brother died at 25 years old. Wow. So a lot of people in my family have passed away at a young age. And I'll always think about what they leave behind. One in terms of what legacy they leave. And then, you know, what kind of practical assets do you leave behind? Because you do leave others behind. What What's in place for them? And um, the, the the title grabs at you. Your, your book, you know. It grabs you and gives you just—I think it really smacks you across the face <laughs> and tells you, "Look, this is—it's—it's re- it's real." You know, um, yeah. Almost half of Americans cannot come up with four hundred dollars for an emergency. I mean, if it, you need more money, that's the reality of it. And um, you know, it's—it's it's so important for people to really take that seriously, men especially. Um, you know, we tend to pass away before the women do. So we have to be leaders yeah. and take those kinds of things very seriously, protecting our families. You know, if a man, if a, if you're at home and another man tries to break into your house, I mean, you will fight to the death to protect that family. Got to do the same thing financially.
0: You do. And, and it's not as difficult as we all make it seem, at least from catastrophic protection. Yeah. Right? I mean... My brother-in-law could have had a term life insurance policy for hundred grand or two hundred grand for fifty bucks, seventy-five bucks a month, mm-hmm. right? The kids all had the iPhones and everything, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't, and he didn't because we're so terrified of who, who to talk to about it, yep. right? Do we trust anybody that we can talk to? Can we admit where we are? What about when we admit it? What are the people around us, particularly our spouses, going to say about it? Mm-hmm. And um, and then where do we even go to get it? Where do we even go to fix that small problem? I, I hope the book wakes people up. The first half is the wake-up call. Everyone that I've given the manuscript to has come back to me and, and they're it scares them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I try to say, well, that's that's the purpose, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do it publicly, right? You can just be afraid. Just me and you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you in a book,
0: you in a podcast, or whatever. And and uh, then the second half is the roadmap that yeah. says, here's how we can fix it. Now, we don't get into a lot of investment strategies and stuff like that in the book. Um, you know, I don't, I, I personally don't care how a person makes their money. I believe anything legal, anything. I mean, if you're legal and ethical, I don't care how you make your money. It's irrelevant to me. I think top 1% of every industry is worth being in. I don't exactly. care if you're picking up trash or you're doing whatever. If you're in the top 1%, you're making money. Exactly. But the mindset is so broken towards money, mm-hmm. and people have had so much luxury over the last 30 or 40 years that they don't even know what it's like to suffer today to protect in the future so that's cool with me too martin you don't have to suffer i'm not a big dave ramsey beans and rice rice and beans guy
1: (laughs) i agree with you brother
0: (laughs) but you got to know how to make it then yes right a lot of people are in the wrong industries they're working hard but they're in a platform that doesn't make them any money that's what the roadmap's all about but but in your situation let's talk about your book for a little bit let's fight about money because i want to talk about you know my wife and i had these problems Mm -hmm. how do do we communicate about money Mm -hmm. how do we figure out who we are um, you were mentioning that you and Chelsea had a situation you called it the burger moment. The burger incident. Burger incident. Tell me about it.
1: So, my wife Chelsea and I almost broke up over a burger. Were you married at the time? Yes. <laughs> I think we were married at the time. I'll go with yes. I think we were. It's, uh, so, we're taking some friends out for, for dinner, and we agree. Chelsea, you know, Chelsea's a CFO in our household. I drive the business the revenue comes in she tells the revenue where to go in the household so uh, so she says i think this is well this is our plan for tonight here's our budget so we go out take our group of friends out and while we're out you know she's asking me what do you want to get and there's this burger on the menu and it's like this fantastic burger. So it happens to be the most expensive thing on the menu, by the way. So I'm thinking, I really want this burger. <laughs> and so Kelsey and I, we share a lot of stuff. So she's like, do you want to share something? I'm like, no. I want this <laughs> burger. <laughs> and so she's there and saying, I, I think that'll put, she sent me a text message. because she, Oh one of my friends gosh, said, no, wow. I think that'll put us over what we want to spend. And, uh, and so the waiter comes over. And I said, you know, I'm not going to let her tell me what to do. I'm ordering this burger. So I ordered a burger. And uh, if she was here, she should tell you it wasn't. But I, I felt like she kicked me under the under the you know under the chair. She goes, no, I never kicked him. I'm like, I felt you kicked me. Somebody kicked me. And uh, so I ordered a burger anyway. And um, so we, you know, end of the night, we're going home, and she's upset. And I just said, I you know I I wanted the burger, so I got the burger. And so here's what she told me years later. And she said, you know, I almost left you over that burger, over that incident. And she said, here's what it said to me. You were communicating to me. You didn't care enough about our family. And I said, me ordering a burger meant that? (laughs) And, um, And I said, you know what that communicated to me? It communicated to me that you want to control me. That you want to tell me what I can and can't do, and I'm a man, I don't want to be controlled, you know, all that. Mm. So what happened was, it wasn't really about the burger, the fight. We have People have stupid money fights all the time. It's never really about the thing. It, the burger is not a, a expensive item. It was because both of us saw the thing differently. People have different views about money. Yeah. So uh, we have different money personalities. My money personality is as a spender. Chelsea's money personality is a saver. Money comes in, she wants to save. Money comes in, I want to I push it out so I can get more. So uh, because we have different views on money, always ends up leading to a conflict. So let's fight about money is about don't avoid the conflict. How do you confront? How do you have the tools? And we talk about the communication tools, when to, to have money fights, um, how to fight fair, how to fight for each other. Uh, people are already fighting about money anyway. Either fighting about money or they're not talking about it. Yeah. So why not learn the tools that can help
0: you? You're very that. you're lucky that your spouse has that interpretation of money because a lot of men, and maybe women too, conversely, um, aren't. They don't have that support spouse. And so they're both spenders. Or the money earner is the saver and the... Money disperser is the spender, right? Yes, and that's kind of the way it is in my world. I'm not a big spender, I don't, I don't, I just don't have a luxurious uh desire. I really don't, yeah. And if I did, I'd go get it, right? But my wife, not that she has this luxury, but she likes to spend money. I went into the closet this a year or two ago and I couldn't close the door, I couldn't even like open the door. (laughs) Let me pray, I kept like getting pushed back by the door. And I look (laughs) on the back of the door and I count, there must have been like, like. Thirty scarves hanging on the back of the door, so I couldn't push the door all the way open. Right, and it was a, a eye-opening moment to me that my wife has a problem not with spending big money, but she has to spend. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And years and years ago, we create we 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 already had these conversations, but we created a very simple rule: um, my wife gets paid. We do not operate off of the same bank accounts. Okay. I run the big bank accounts, and she gets paid every week, and she can do whatever she wants with it. She has a few household things she got to take care of. It. But she, that gave her the freedom to go ahead and spend. But we very early on knew that she could not be part of the big account, right? Yeah. And as that big account became a big account, she started to resent me for it. Mm-hmm. And she started to say to me, why can't I get my hands on that? Mm-hmm. And I would say, because you suck at it. That's why you're going to spend it all, right? How did that work out for you? It didn't it didn't go very well, <laughs> as you know, and I'm sure your book talks about it, as it doesn't go for most people, right? That's right. And so we had to have a lot of heart to hearts about the fact that listen, this is this is my contribution to my legacy, to our family. It's my version of protection for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh don't screw it up, mm-hmm. right? Don't 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 block me on this one. Let me go do my thing with this account, right? Yeah. And you go do your thing with your account. And uh, for us, it, it worked out well. We don't have a combined checking account. We don't have combined credit cards. It's been separate. We've been married 19 years. Have been separate for 16 of those 19 years. Yeah. It just works for us. Yeah. But I think that strategy could work for a lot of people. But but how do you if it how do you break it right? How do you start and start to separate it? Because it was a trust issue for her too, Martin. Yeah, she was like, "Well, do you not trust me? Are we not together in this thing?" And I used to say, "Do you not?" Are you trustworthy? Are we in it together? Because yeah. why, why every time you get access to it, you suck it dry? Right? Oh, yeah, I
1: understand that. Um, when Chelsea and I first started dating, there was some trust issues, not from me, but from her. She had been in previous relationships where people took advantage of her financially, went into her bank account, took money, lied about money, all these different things. So yeah. she had major trust <laughs> issues around <Yeah. laughs> that. Uh, and so I had to be willing to deal with and handle this s- scrutiny Extra scrutiny around money. But people have to find out what is the thing that works the best for them. If the thing that works the best for them is you your in agreement, both people are in agreement and say, hey, we're going to have different bank accounts and I'm going to manage this one and we're going to give you a stipend or uh, get paid. I, I call
0: it a salary. A salary. stipend doesn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, Salary. There you go. salary. salary.
1: <laughs> and so we're going to, you know, and then that's and, – and they're in agreement on that and both people are happy with that arrangement. People have to find out what works best for them. I, people always have to have a system see if, if I don't have a system I would just I would spend a lot of money but having a system in place gives you know procedures lets you know you know how to deal with things mm. that's your system so you guys created a system and then you know that's how I work and you work everything off that
0: so let's talk about the other guy though you know he's not he or she is not married um, therefore they're not commingling this but they're short. They're just not making enough. Let's talk about it from an age bracket. Guy or gal is in their 20s. Yeah. And they're, they're just not moving the needle in net worth. What advice do you give them to get that ball spinning? First thing
1: is you have to realize how much money you really need. One of my least favorite phrases is good money. And I always ask people, what's good money? Oh, this oh you mean will, I make good money? Yeah, when somebody says yeah, I no, make I good hate money, it too, what's man? good oh, money? Oh my God! Most of the time, it's not—it's crappy money. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you I, mean, good money? I hate so, it. they have to expand yes. the, the, your, your ability to have more. First of all, you got to be more, and then you do more, and you're going to have more. How are you investing in yourself to grow in your twenties? What are you doing to make yourself more valuable in the marketplace that somebody will want to move you up or you're going to start your own deal, whatever it is, side hustle that turns into a main hustle. You got to get realistic on what is the real money that you need. Like you're saying, you need more money. People aren't realistic about how much money they really need.
0: Yeah. No, people are chasing these ridiculously old dreams. Yeah. Right. They have no concept that the money is moved. Yes. And they have not moved with it. It's a big, what you're talking about is a big problem. Yes. People say I'm good way before they're good. No.
1: And and, uh, look, and sometimes in our society, the drive to go get the financial resources you need is sometimes people think something's wrong with that. They think something's wrong with going out there and making the revenue you need. There's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. There's nothing wrong with success. You 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 have an obligation and responsibility to do that. So don't let anybody stop you, and and, and or you hold yourself back because you think that if you start going out there and and try to advance and do more, make more, that people are going to think you're just about money. Look, at the end of the day,
0: you need money. I don't, I don't, I think people say that as an excuse, Martin. I really do. I, I think the reality is most people keep themselves down. I agree with that. That, that. that they don't have these huge external forces that are telling them, hey, don't be aggressive. Don't be ambitious. I think they temper it themselves, right? Yeah. So talk to me about a guy in his 40s. Now, let's let's give the picture here. This guy has a decent career. He's been made a company for a while, on his own for a while. He's got two kids. He's getting worried about college. Spouse is not necessarily working, uh, been the homemaker, or maybe he's been the, 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 the stay-at-home dad, whatever it is, but he's behind. How does that guy fix the money situation? How does he make up the gap?
1: Well, he's got to figure out, one, how to earn more uh, because you can't get rich without income. And if you have a gap, saving, cutting expenses isn't going to solve the
0: problem. It doesn't move the needle enough well, usually. It's a
1: Band-Aid, yep. okay? You need to expand Create ways to to earn more revenue. The other thing is maybe spreading himself too much. Maybe you can't afford to send your kid to college. Let your kid it's figure fair. out they want to go to college. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a real conversation you need to have. Are they going, maybe they'll go get their own loans. Or maybe you help them with a little bit. I see people with too little try to do too much. That's to great, great advice right there, man. Trying to save for kids. I see a lot of single moms, by the way. So you see a lot of single moms. They really feel they want to save for their future, but they want to help their kids. And they make if they're making little and they're trying to spread the money here, you know, it just doesn't, there's not enough to go around. You got to make this tough decision mm-hmm. and say, look, I got to take care of me because if I take care of me now, you won't have to take care of me later. That's my strong, child. man. I like that. Yeah. You have to have that conversation with Colin sometimes? I sure do. And I have to tell them this is the reality. Mm. I, if I don't tell you the truth, who will? So I tell them this is the reality of where you are, and it's my job to tell you the truth and you do with it what you will.
0: So that must be very freeing for you though to be able to have that to be able to be a trustworthy and uh, guy with lots of integrity to be able to look at the situation and say, I'm not I'm just the messenger. Yes. Right? That must be freeing for you to be able to to, to be able to have those conversations.
1: It is. It's also very tough. Because I'm a relatively young guy. I've been in the financial business for, for, I've started in my early 20s. I'm in my early 30s. But a lot of my clients are much older than me. And so (laughs) I'm talking to them about and But I have to (laughs) say those things and say, look, man, you can't spend it on this. You can't do that. Here's where you have to focus. But you've got, you say it in a way with respect, but you say it with the truth and kindness. So they understand, hey, I'm just telling the truth because I really care about you. And, um, you know, I will do these things to help you to get to where you want to go. But you, you say the truth is
0: the truth no matter who, who the messenger is. So that's an important thing for the audience to get their hands around because there will come a point, whether you tell it to yourself or life tells it to you or your financial advisor tells it to you, whether you won or lost at the game of money. There is no – everyone plays that game. Mm-hmm. And you. there will come a point where you will have won it or you will have lost it. Uh, I personally believe that that it could happen multiple times in your life. I do not believe that time, if you're in your 60s, which is probably the third component we should do, guys in his 60s, kids are out of school, maybe he or she did overindulge the kids, they paid for their college, all that sort of stuff. Kids have no loans, but they have no retirement. Yeah. I believe that person can still make up for it. Of course. I mean, the math is pretty straightforward. I mean, you get 6% on your money, you put $2,000 away in 21 years, it's worth a million bucks. Yeah. So it's a pretty simple math problem, right? You could do it at age fifty; you got it by seventy-one. You could do it at forty; you got it by sixty-one. So you're not behind in your forties. Mm-hmm. And then, could you imagine if you can build this side hustle that you're talking about turns into permanent hustle, or, or I call it a personal ATM machine? Yeah. Um, and you can do three grand, or four grand, or five grand a month. Exactly. And you can make up the gap. And they have to. They, they, they do have to, or they end up like my mother and my mother-in-law, which basically are living on Social Security. And that number is, the average Social Security benefit is $1,366. Yeah. Um and, you and know, my, my mother and my mother-in-law are both living on on that. They're living on $16,000 a year. It's tough to do. It's not tough. It's impossible. You yeah. can't do it. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> exactly. It's ridiculous. I'm, exactly. I'm funding both of them all the time. Yes. You so can't live on it.
1: The gap that's got to come from somewhere else, which means you've got to now be successful enough to fill their gap
0: while taking care of yourself and your family, but that's important. I saw that early on. Yeah. I recognized that, and I said that, and I and I was open with my wife that said, well, "If I take care of my mother, I'm taking care of your mother." Right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't see that your mother-in-law is going to live with you if you don't have 1500 bucks a month to put her in a one-bedroom garden apartment. That's how it plays out. <laughs> That's right. Your wife is not going to let her mother go out. No. You know? She's going to live with you. guys. So so I just think it's so important to, for people to really begin to wake up and see that time. You know, people always say, well, time is on your side with money. And of course it is if you're looking at from a compound interest standpoint. Yeah. But time is your enemy yeah. when it comes to money too. Yes you got to move fast. You got to make it and you got to you got to put it away and you got to do that for a long period of time if you're making small moves, but if you really get the earning thing cranked up which a lot of people are. There's a lot of people making a lot of money. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. You're looking at some of your clients and you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that guy was making that kind of scratch. Oh,
1: it happens a lot, especially with social media, you get a chance to interact and meet so many different people. You're like, wow, like that guy's doing really well. Yeah. You know, kudos to them because you you know, you you want to see people succeeding. And you know, people who are succeeding are very positive to be around. They got great energy. So I like to be around a lot of successful people like that. So
0: I a couple of things as we close up. I said before we started, I was so impressed with you and Chelsea doing that morning show. You said you did 180 episodes this year alone, right? Yes. I mean, I remember watching it and saying, they're doing it again today? <laughs> it's like 70 episodes, 100 episodes. I mean, how did you guys have the stick-to-itiveness to stay the course that long when so many people will do it for two or three days and quit? You
1: know, it's it's harder than it looks. Much harder. People look at it and think, oh, they think they can do it. And when they start doing it, realize how hard it is. It's commitment. You're never going to succeed uh, unless you commit to doing something. And we, d- we decided we would commit. We would commit and we'll figure out how to make it all possible. We would sit there sometimes at night and then think of well, what should we talk about tomorrow. What's yeah, content, what are we gonna right? talk about? Okay, yeah. let's talk about this, let's talk about that. Yeah. And then we go in there and we just make it happen. It's the level of commitment. It's getting out of bed. It's a morning show. We we do it seven thirty a.m. So which means we have to get up, get dressed, get ready, and go deliver our message to people. But we're also very passionate about making a difference. We're passionate about financial literacy. Yeah. Passionate about expanding our brand. Yeah. And uh and so that's what really would drive all of that state level of commitment that we have to our success.
0: Yeah, well, you guys had it. I mean, there was no doubt, and I recognize it. I'm not much for, uh, you know, I don't, somebody who does it a few times doesn't impress me, but you guys did it over and over. And I remember I even called Hank Norman. I said, you know that Martin and Chelsea Matthews are on it again this morning? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man. He goes, take note.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Hank's, Hank's great, man. Big shout out to Hank Norman. Yeah, he was the guy realize. who really helped us and encouraged us to to really push and do a lot of great things. So. Great, great guy. I love him.
0: Two things uh, as we close. Number one, you know, people always wonder what is it worth being on social media? Does it make a difference? How does it really help your life? I was against it for a long time, but the reality is that social media enhances my life. Mm -hmm. It has allowed me to meet wonderful people. You reached out to me. We're here. We're doing this. We're having fun. It allows me to meet you now in person. It, it enhances your life if you do it long enough and you stay committed to whatever that causes. Yes. The second thing we got to do is you got to sign my booth, man. Yeah, yeah, Every guest let's and has to sign the booth. So, let's Martin, do it. thank you. Hey, where can people get the book?
1: You can go to letsfightaboutmoney.com, cover shipping and handling. We'll send you a copy of the book, we'll sign it. Oh, that's
0: cool. What's that about? Five bucks? Got, somebody's going to pay about five
1: bucks? Seven ninety five. we do it for. Got it. And uh, cover shipping and handling uh, of it. And um, we'll, we'll autograph it and get it out to you guys. That's um, nice.
0: Yeah. Let's fight about money.com. Yes. Okay, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate See you all down the road. Bye. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.